Palakarja, Gia Devsha, Shaw Jerry Adams, Rich Augusta Sola Gomsa, Guel Shibsha Gulior, Gusculior, Guhan Moy. Just reflecting and recording this on the Friday evening, and Edmund Putz has just been elected as the leader of the Democratic Unionist Party. So I want to wish him well. It's uh, going to be an interesting time as he faces up to the challenges of leadership in these changing times. And I remember well uh, when we were negotiating just before I stood down as Oktar on Hen Fein, that uh, Edwin was very constructive, positive, and indeed uh, I came to like him as we got to know each other better. These things happen when uh, people are locked away for ages together. Anyway, uh, he led the charge to get rid of Arling, and now he will face exactly the same charges, <laughs> exactly the same challenges that Arling faced. So, Chafing Wedge, let's see what happens in the upcoming period. And I especially want to wish Michelle O'Neill well as she leads our team in the time ahead. Anyway, big news for me this week was the inquest and the verdicts into the killings which occurred in my home place in Ballymurphy 50 years ago and the long-running campaign that the families of the 10 people killed by the Parachute Regiment were vindicated with the judgment in the inquest findings. And I went over to Corpus Christi Chapel by invitation along with Richard McCauley. Corpus Christi Chapel is close to where it all happened and where John McCarr was killed and it was surreal to hear the findings on John McCarr's killing in the very place where he was killed. And there were relatives of the other people who were murdered, murdered and there were local people. And the coroner's verdict was live streamed to us. All the diseased are entirely innocent, Mrs Justice Keegan told us at the end. And her concluding remarks were greeted with a standing ovation. And throughout the proceedings when she gave her conclusions in each of the cases, applause from other family members in the courthouse and in other venues rippled back to Corpus Christi to be added to by us. And I was honoured to be there. I was also in Ballymurphy at the time of the massacre. So it was deeply humbling to be there 50 years later in the company of such heroines and heroes. 
I want to commend all of the families for their courage and resolve in the face of 50 years of British government lies and obstruction. I want to commend their legal teams and the coroner also. And someone sent me a text saying, it shows you what happens when the people of Bella Murphy stood up, stayed with their version of the story and were vindicated by hearing that their version of the story was the truth. So up the Murph. You know, I'm watching all the time, observing all the time, listening all the time, and trying to reflect on how much good could be done, how how much the struggle could be shortened if the Irish government played a leadership role. And I'm minded of the day in December 2017 when the then Taoiseach Leo Varadkar said, to the nationalist people in Northern Ireland, you will never again be left behind by an Irish government. Now that was warmly welcomed by most right-thinking people at that time, though some of us thought it was unlikely to be true, and we were right to be cautious. Now, maybe Mr. Baradkar meant what he said when he said it. Maybe he just had a cleverer uh, speechwriter than he had previously employed. But we need more than fine words, though they are important. We need political leaders to lead. And that includes Antishak. He, and so far they all have been he-males, needs to do his job. And it's little wonder then in the crucial and critical relationship between the Irish government and the British government, Dublin continues to be treated as a junior partner by London. And London, of course, and the British government, well, the English government, has eyes only for its own national and largely English interests. And that was underlined when the Johnson government first briefed last week that it planned to introduce amnesty legislation to protect its military personnel from prosecutions arising from murders in the north. And the news was that broken initially in informed briefings to the main establishment papers in London, the Daily Telegraph and the Times. And these briefings followed just a week after the Overseas Protection Act was signed into law, which gave legal protection to British military personnel from criminal and human rights violations arising from investigations into their behaviour overseas, mainly in Afghanistan and Iraq. And there was widespread criticism of Johnson's intention to break previous agreements on legacy, including an international treaty signed with the Irish government in 2015. The Irish government was completely blindsided by the British decision. They were treated with contempt. They give They got no notice of this briefing, even though senior Dublin ministers were in discussions with their counterparts just before this development. 
And the Taoiseach, now Mial Martin, said there's an agreement in place with the British government, with the parties in Northern Ireland, and indeed with victims groups, and that is the Stormont House Agreement of 2014. Any move from that would be a unilateral breach of trust. Chennai. So the Taoiseach reduces his own role to that of a commentator. Now the issue of victims was discussed between the Minister for Foreign Affairs, Simon Coveney, and the British Secretary of State, Brandon Lewis, when they met in Dublin on Wednesday last week. However, the Irish said were given no hint, even though they were discussing the very issues that were involved, of such a far-reaching policy shift by the British. And Simon Coveney later said that he was frustrated when he read the media reports. And Tanishta, not to be outdone, said that such a move would be a violation of the Stormont House Agreement. And the Irish government, he said, was very alarmed and deeply disturbed that the British government is even considering such a move. So think about it. No wonder that they are treated the way that they are treated. On Tuesday, as the judgment in the Bella Murphy case was being given by the coroner, the British government issued a statement in which they confirmed the press speculation and said it was their intention to introduce a legacy package which will end the cycle of investigations. The package will deliver on on commitments to the Northern Ireland veterans, giving them the protections they deserve. In fact, an amnesty for past criminal actions. So on the very day that the British army were indicted by the coroner, the government in London said those involved would be let free and indeed would not be prosecuted. Now, no one should be surprised by this move. Since Eames Bradley report in 2009, the British have engaged in strategies that political parties and others, including this columnist, this podcaster, believe is all about protecting its own military personnel. And that imperative has increased for the Tories because of the growing number of legal cases that have emerged alleging murder and torture by British forces in Iraq and Afghanistan. It's also part of the election campaign because the protection of its troops, irrespective of their crimes, has become a political priority as popular support for such a move has gained significant public traction in England. The relatives of Bloody Sunday victims the brother of 12-year-old Magello O'Hare killed by British troops in South Armagh are just some of the many relatives who have criticised the British move. British soldiers murdered Irish citizens in all of these incidents and were directly responsible for the deaths of many others. Hundreds more killings of ordinary citizens by British agents 
through the policy of collusion also occurred. So the government in London is putting the interests of these soldiers and their agents above the desire for truth and justice for the victims and their families. So you'd think that the Irish government would eventually come out and do something. Previous Dublin governments have refused to take a stand when confronted by British duplicity or criminality. I mean, I, I have been part of numerous delegations to Irish and British governments with the Bella Murphy families. So they all knew what happened, yet they did nothing. In fact, the British government frustrated, thwarted or tried to thwart and undermined the family's search for justice. Take the, uh, the Glenan gang, which killed over 100 people, including 33 in the Dublin Monaghan uh, attacks in 1974. The Oireachtas Joint Committee on Justice concluded that there's no doubt that collusion between the British security forces and the terrorists was behind many, if not all, of the atrocities that are considered in this report. It also concluded that it was of the view that given that we are dealing with acts of international terrorism that were colluded in by British security forces, the British government cannot legitimately refuse to cooperate with investigations and attempts to get to the truth. So the Oireachtas, the very parliament of the state, accuses the British government of being engaged in acts of international terrorism and successive Irish governments chose to ignore this. Little wonder the British can ignore it also. Last week, the police ombudsman produced a scathing report on the failure of the IUC to properly investigate the actions of their own members who killed four people during the August 1969 pogroms in West Belfast. What the Irish government should be doing is using all of its political and diplomatic means to oppose an amnesty or a statute of limitations in the North. That's one way to show that no Irish government would ever again leave nationalists in the North behind. Continued refusal to do this is proof that success of Irish governments have failed in their duty and responsibility to defend the rights of Irish citizens here. And that is highlighted even more with a British government led by an English nationalist who cares even less for the people of Ireland than his predecessors. And if I may say so, Michal Martin continues to turn a blind eye to the imperative of planning for the referendum on unity and for a united Ireland which is contained in the Good Friday Agreement. The Irish government is a member of the Security Council of the United Nations. It's also a member of the European Union. What use is holding membership of prestigious international bodies if that position isn't used to challenge British government intransigence and to promote lasting peace in Ireland through unity. I also want to say a word or two, if I may, about the plight of the people of Palestine. We have a duty to stand by them.
I visited that region on a number of occasions. I was a Choctadala in Leinster House and was part of the initiative to have the Oireachtas agree that the Irish government should recognise the state of Palestine. It refuses so far to do so. It defies the will of its own parliament. And then finally, on a more positive note, it's great that our games are back. The Antrim Hurlers win against Clare last Sunday was mighty. Now, I'm a big fan of TG Carr, but when I sat down in eager anticipation to watch the game, I quickly grew frustrated at the breakdown in services. Watching on Twitter while trying to hook up to TG Carr is hardly an enjoyable experience. The wee bits I did see showed Corrigan Park looking immaculate against the backdrop of the Black Mountain, and our horrors played like the warriors they are. So well done to them all, and to Darren Gleeson and the management team. Well done also to the 3,000 plus Antrim Gales who signed the letter to Antishoch. And the letter they signed is straightforward enough. It appeared in the Irish News. It was an appeal to Antishoch to plan for the future in an inclusive manner. And the Antrim Gales involved proposed that the government convene a citizens' assembly to achieve maximum consensus on a way forward towards an agreed shared Ireland. I think it's a wonderful achievement to get over 3,000 Gales from our county to sign up for this initiative. Those who put it together have done a great service to the Gildom, to civic society and to the process of a green and inclusive future for everyone on this island. This initiative and the support for it is also a good indicator of the mood within a section of nationalism. Gales contribute in a huge way to communities across this island and throughout the world. Gaelic games are part of what we are. The Antrim Gales initiative is a gentle reminder that all of us have a stake in the future and that the Irish government have a duty to include all of us in planning for that. So well done, Antrima, and good luck to the footballers. And we'll finish this podcast in the week that's in it with Redemption Song. Slan, Karja, Chikime Ship Shareish, Amor Orog Gulyar. Minutes after they took Kai From the bottomless pits But my hand was made strong By the hand of the Almighty And we've powered this generation Triumphantly won't you help to sing these songs of freedom for it's all I ever have 
redemption songs Emancipate yourselves from mental slavery None but ourselves can free our minds Have no fear for atomic energy Cause none of them can stop the tides How long will they kill our prophets While we stand aside and look Some say that it's just a part of it And we have got to fulfill the book So won't you help to sing Songs of freedom for all I ever have. Redemption songs. Emancipate yourselves from mental slavery None but ourselves can free our minds And have no fear for atomic energy Cause none of them can stop the tide How long will they kill our prophets While we stand aside and look Some say that it's just a part of it And we've got to fulfill the book But won't you help to sing These songs of freedom It's all I ever have Redemption songs Redemption songs Songs of freedom Another song